Hello and welcome to the Weekly Quack. I'm one of your hosts, Jesse, Jesse. Anderson, and with no, me Jesse. is the enigmatic No, J- Jesse. Alexander Randolph Sender the Third from Board Game Co. Jesse. What? Buddy. Hmm. Buddy, I'm so okay. I know it's been a while since yeah. you've been unplated once. I thought I got this an is entrance. Plated once. I never get I never get an opening. Sure, sure. You never get the opening, but this isn't this isn't that show. You're confusing the shows. If you did the right opening, I would have let you go with it. But this is plated once where a board is, game podcast. Where is Alex? Alex doesn't do the show often. Jesse, are are you okay? I I feel like you're getting a little bit mixed up here. Whose name must be Red from North Undershire? No, 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 Jesse, Jesse. It's okay. It's okay, buddy. Let me walk you through this. Okay. Plated Once is a board game podcast about games we've only played once. Okay. The reality is that most board games make it to the table, say it with me, seven times. One time. With Alex. And and first, and, and no. you remember this okay. part, I know you do, and yeah. first, in, oh. for, no, first impressions matter. Did my first impression with Alex not go well? Why is he not here? So we made a podcast. I don't think that I, I don't think it ever went well, Jesse. Did you misinterpret that? <laughs> I think he's been very clear about that on the show. No. <laughs> I'm your host, Jan Bigas, and with me is Jesse. Jesse Anderson. Who's he? Oh, so are you remembering now? Are you is it clear? No. Okay. Well, I will get I will go through this with you, Jesse. So welcome everybody to Played It Once. Uh it's been a while since the original two hosts have been here. Uh that welcome back, Jesse. How are you feeling about that? Mm, we've been touching bodies, just not voices. <laughs> It's too intimate. It's too intimate. And so for those of you that have not listened yet to Played It Once, uh, in this show, we touch on three fundamental topics about a specific game, an introduction to the game that we're talking about, the context in which we played that game, and our overall opinions of the experience. Today, we're going to be talking about Imperial Spells and Steam from Level 99 Games, uh, which is one that we've is right now on Kickstarter and that we have been able to get to the table. And this podcast is officially sponsored by oh, no one. It's not sponsored. <laughs> is that is that the space? So for anybody that's considering sponsoring <laughs> the Quackalo podcast, that could have been you. No, this game. This game is one that you have been uh, you have played a while ago. We have been intrigued by. I have been meaning to get to the table and is currently on Kickstarter. But, you know. Jokes aside, this podcast, uh, Level 99, has no idea we're recording it. We played on our own merit and dime, and we're going to give you all the gritty, gruesome, realistic first impression details so that you can make your own determination if this hard-to-get game is one that you'd like to add to your collection or, like Jan, (gasps) discard with the raccoons. Uh, Excuse you. Yeah, it it is going to get a little bit bloody. So, first of all, what is... Imperial. Imperial is a route building game, sort of a train game, sort of a tableau building game. What you're doing is that this is a magical land, the land of the Endines, which is kind of like a fantasy world that Level 99 Games has built across their multiple titles. And in this land, you are now at the crux of innovation, of industrialization, and you've used the magical properties ar- around the realm to create your very own train companies in a way. What you're doing in the game 
is that you're trying to collect resources from different types of terrains that are strewn across the entire map and deliver them to main cities to try and make certain uh, amounts of deliveries and claim victory points. Now, if what you heard from Jam there was a concept, this is in some form a train game, really... He'd sort of be wrong in that sense. You see, this is a magical universe. So all of your train lines, all of your production tubes, all of those uh, vessels of industry connect to each other through the power and force of some degree of spell casting ability. And all the resources that they're connected with can be harvested and sold as long as you have some sort of direct path to your towns. And in fact, this isn't a game that's really about route building or placing down trains or uh, the map that you're building out in front of you. At its very heart, that just represents a shared resource that you have that the other player could steal from you if they also have built lines and have access to the same items you do. But this game, Imperial, at the heart of it, is all about programming and action selection, which is weird. I know it's not what I expected when I saw that box cover either. So what you're doing in the game Every turn, basically, is that you have a little conductor, and every time that you decide to move that conductor, you can choose to move a certain amount of spaces. Depending on how far you move along that singular track, uh, it'll cost you different amounts of action resources that you'll be able to, you, you won't have access to later on in your turn. Every time that you stop in one of those locations, you're able to build out the certain types of actions throughout the game through what's called spell cards, and each spell card has different abilities, but basically the the longer that the game goes on, the more complex your train becomes and the more options you have. The objective of the game is whoever has the most points or the most notoriety or whatever you call it by the end is going to be the victor of Imperial uh, and take and take the, the crown and all the contracts. Yeah, the two things that you need to be able to do to really enjoy and engage with this game is a bit of spatial puzzle reasoning, where you're playing down your uh, vessels, where you're collecting resources and where you're delivering them to all requires this dance that isn't quite route building necessarily, but it does certainly deal with how you can spread and how efficiently you can use your actions and what areas you're able to spread your trains onto. The other thing that you really need to be prepared to do when you sit down with Imperial is engage with the idea of future turn planning. You should look at the entire row, the entire column of available actions that you have over the next two to three actions or two to three activations and understand how that's going to sequence. I'm going to be able to move here, trigger my special ability, place two train downs on the board, one of which is going to be in a lava area, one in a mountain area that will connect me to a region that allows me to sell water crystals, and then I'll continue moving forward. And in three turns, I'm going to be able to cycle and trade in those water crystals that I have to that city to collect victory points and then start back at the top. Now, that sounds like a lot, and it's not, and it is at the same time. There is definitely a degree of chaos and a degree of potential AP here with this puzzle, but genuinely, if the idea of sequencing, programming, turn planning, combined with a bit of spatial reasoning or spatial puzzling, sounds intriguing to you, this one might be the most well-executed, heavy version of those mechanics that I've seen. Jesse, you're kind of coming in hard with the, with the opinions here, buddy. We still haven't even talked about our context. Oh, okay. Oh, bro. I don't Man. like this game. 
What is that? What counteract it? <laughs> Great. I think I think you really tricked them now, Jesse. So for context, it's pretty simple, really. I was interested in this game the first time that it got published and we had reached out to level 99 games to try and secure a copy or get some type of content out due to all the complexities with the move and everything that we did. Unfortunately, we weren't able to cover Imperial when we wanted to. However, it's always been in the in the back of our minds to try and get to the table. So with this Kickstarter, we finally decided to bring it to the table and play it for the first time. So I have two plays already under my belt. Jesse has one play. We both learned the game together, technically, although I did the majority of the rules teach, rules teach, which means that we probably got some things wrong. But ultimately, we have actually, with the namesake of the show, a limited context with this game. So everything we'll be talking about today is genuinely our first impressions. So Jesse, now that we have the context out of the way that we know how we learned the game, that we did all these things. So you liked Imperial. You you think that it's a messy, that it's a messy game, that it has all the things that it's looking for and it's doing the mechanics justice. Imperial d- did something that I wasn't expecting it to do. I was expecting it to be much more of a train game specifically, a game more about placing down your locations and gathering resources and connecting those to a single point. For me, that's not the game that I discovered. I discovered a game that has a ton of asymmetric principles, a ton of character customization, a ton of modularity when it comes to the board that you're interacting with, the uh, abilities and special activations that you have, the character that you're playing, and of course, how you build up your little spell slots throughout the course of the game. Both of our strategies when we played progressed in vastly different ways. Both of them were competitive and both of them were intriguing, and both of them only touched in on major maybe 20% of the available content that we had in the base game alone. And so for me, this game delivered when it, it showed up at the station and delivered a quality. uh, I think it's, I think it's programming or or turn selection. Like, I, I don't know the actual term necessarily, but it, it delivered on that. It worked really well. By the way, great pun, and I know you hate them. Uh, so the thing with Imperial that I think really solidifies all of these aspects of uh, the, uh, the the variance that's inside this game is how simple it actually is. There's, there's two things that you're doing every turn. You're moving your conductor forward, and then you're probably going to lay down tracks somewhere on the board. Everything deals with that spatial puzzle, that, that space where everybody's competing at. But thanks to that competition and the simplicity of how you interact with that area, you're able to start adding all of this really convoluted concepts and ideas, right? Those columns, the way that they can shape out throughout the game is really fascinating. And the amount of spell cards that are in there just allow for so many different types of exploration, which also leads really well into the theme of the game, which is kind of like we're discovering this world of the Indines for the first time through industrialization. Like everything ties together very, very well, which again, I think is just a really fascinating concept for a train game that's not really a train game, but is at the same time. It's just it's 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 a very well executed idea. Now, you had originally scared me off of this title a little bit because you played it once without me and mm-hmm. came back intimidated by the degree of, uh, well, let's say uh, micro bits and pieces and items and finicky little tiles that you have to sort through. And so, honestly, I came to the table with very limited expectations. 
you know, and I'm not sure why, so you're going to have to clarify for me, but you approached this game initially excited, uh, ended with it not needing to join your collection, and now I resoundly have informed you <laughs> that it's mine and it's not allowed to join your collection. I liked this one a lot. I thought it hit on a lot of the points that I was looking for. I agree with Affinikinis when it comes to the initial setup, placing down a lot of little tiles and tokens and resources. Uh, but really, due to the way that they've designed their box and allowed kind of insert, you know, the inserts and things to be stored, I don't feel like that was as big of an issue as I maybe thought it would be. So, initially, I had not played Cosmic Frog before I played Imperial, right? It were two completely separate time frames. So, I now have an understanding of what true finicky is. Imperial is not fiddly in that sense. Like, sure, you know, the building up of the of the, bur- the the board, the setup can be a little bit tedious, but it's nothing compared to other games, which I'm I already named, uh, which are absolutely ridiculous. So, I think what happened with my first try of Imperial was that, first of all, which is something that I really need to stop doing, I included modules straight from the get-go. Um, and the thing with Imperial is that it can get extremely overwhelming if you are not aware of what you're getting into in the first place. So I had included modules, I included reward tiles, I included expansions in that first play, and it was also a play where we didn't really know the rules completely so we were searching for things there was a lot of iconography overload and things didn't feel intuitive and we also played with a really high player count i think i believe we played with four to five people that day so it just wasn't conducive of an experience of really understanding what the what the crux of this game was so when you and i played it everything was set aside we just played with the base game and that's where the elements shone right we just saw the the pure concept here which is an abstract train game where you're able to build routes just like any other train game ticket to ride etc but where the trains don't have to be connected through the conceit of magic and then the tableau building which was just so fantastic um so i think really in this case it comes down to context and how that game was experienced versus my first initial try Ultimately, I think that Imperial is genuinely a fantastic game for what it's bringing to the table. It is light introductory, but at the same time has different depths that you can explore depending on the types of economies and synergies that you're able to generate through your spell cards and the way that you build out your tableau, which I think players that are coming back to this will always be able to discover some something new to implement. However, people that are bring that are taking imperial for the first time tackling it are always going to feel welcome because the engine just like it starts starting up the game starts revving up in complexity as you play and that's huge because i feel that a big draw from people that are looking at this game are going to come from fans of ticket to ride that might want a, a next level experience and i think that imperial can be that next level experience and the next one on top of that if given the opportunity Yeah, I I don't know that it necessarily works as a bridge from Ticket to Ride, other than the train theme and, uh, I suppose, route building to a degree, but it opens opens up so wide so quickly. It's definitely a little bit more mid-weight than I would give it anticipation for, but I feel like I could convince people Mm -hmm. who have played Ticket to Ride to give it a chance, mostly because there's a train on the front of the box cover. Exactly. Exactly. I totally agree with you. I think once you get beyond setup and you're sitting down and you're starting to do the programming, you start 
understanding how things are going to sequence, you start building out a strategy. Now, one of the things that I'm excited to do is dig back into this game with three or four players. There's a little bit more of a crowd happening on the table Mm -hmm. and dig back into this title, specifically understanding a degree more of the iconography and of the potential strategies. I mean, both of us went vastly different. And I think there's probably a lot of paths to victory in this title. And it's all about how you negotiate and kind of navigate that space and adapt based off of what special special icons, special actions, and spells become available to you as you play. And I liked that. I liked that part of it was moving forward with your strategy, and part of it was thinking on your feet and adapting to the resources that you were given. And actually, that's a really good point. Adaptation in this game is so huge. And it's something that I actually haven't considered before until we started talking about it. So another train game that I own is Irish Gage, which is a fantastic economic-based train game where you're building routes, trying to connect cities. It's very similar. However, in train games, usually when you're blocked by something, you have to completely pivot and rotate and change and, and and have a lot of inefficient turns, right? Just trying to get around this obstacle that either someone has laid out for you or you have and consequently just push yourself toward, you know, directly in Imperial. There's this mechanic of almost leapfrogging where you can use pieces that are not yours or you can use pieces that are already solidified on the board and kind of start jumping and moving in ways that no other train game allows you to do. And I thought that particularly as a mechanic, I didn't really understand how effective that could be, but it just completely kind of changes the dynamic. It opens up the map. It makes it so that you're not constantly getting in each other's way, which was something that I would have done to you Mm -hmm. if that wasn't there. (laughs) I know. But the the funny thing is that the more players that are in this game, you could start potentially creating obstacles that are impassable. However, it just becomes that much more difficult, right? Um, so again, it's just like this idea of constantly expanding. Like it feels magical. Like I, I'm I'm not sure exactly how they achieved it through the mechanics, but applying that very these two very simple things. The, the routes that you are building are abstracted. They are not necessarily have to be connected piece by piece, but just exists on the board. It's like a, a an invisible web that everything is just tethered together. And then the idea that all the resources are also available to you, regardless of how of how far away your trains are because of that magical web. Those two things by itself just really help anchor this into the genre that it's trying to kind of like carve out for itself. The one thing, and I'm, I know I'm a broken record about the, about this, but the one thing that I felt that Imperial didn't, I didn't love about Imperial is that I do think, oh, you're saying box size. I do think that Imperial could be the size of a ticket to ride box. Obviously not the Imperial experience that we have. Mm, I disagree because the quality of production, the degree of organization and how necessary that is to facilitate this one getting to the table easily. I think I think the box size is maybe a little bit bigger than it needs to be, but not the degree to which you do. Here's here's what I what I think, though. I think Imperial is such a great game that can fit for so many people, but the price point might be intimidating for for a lot of others that are a train game for this price. That's crazy because they don't know how much there is in there. So I think similar to what Level 99 has done with their Bullet series, where they create a not a smaller box version, but just taking away maybe some of the special abilities or 
some of the characters, just something where we're consolidating that into something that's just much more accessible, I think would open up the opportunity for Imperial to be played much more often. Because really, as we talked about in this podcast, we're not going to play a game add that much. So people might just want something that's a little bit more compact. And I think that Imperial as a base game is enough without all that extra things. Hmm. Uh, see, I'm perfectly happy having all the extra things. And as someone that likes games that can escalate and get messy and go crazy. For sure. All those extra things are things that make me more excited about owning a copy of this game. I, I really think... Uh, the modules that you're able to introduce, the variability and all the icons and tokens and, and spell slots and characters, all of that to me adds a ton of value to my experience of ownership. Now, it probably does limit some people and it probably does uh, add a barrier, but um, selfishly, I'm okay with that. <laughs> what do you think makes this game right or wrong for certain individuals? Like if someone's listening to this, trying to determine if they get in on the Kickstarter, because let's be honest, for a long time, this game was hard to get your hands on. Yep. And I think there's a lot of people that are currently asking the question, do I go pick it up now that it is reprinted, that it is going to be available uh, with the expectation that it probably will again be hard to get a hold of eventually? I think that level 99 continues to impress with the level of ingenuity and creativity that they bring to game design. So if you're a gamer that is looking for something that is not in your library, that probably something that you've probably not played ever before, level 99 games, specifically in this case, Imperial, is going to be a game you're going to want to check out and you're going to want to experience because it really does have all the levels of complexity that you could ever ask for in a game of this style. And that you can customize. It's almost like a sandbox in a certain way. It's like it's one of these train games that I've I've never experienced. I don't have that much experience with the train games, but this train games felt like a sandbox in a way that I wasn't expecting a train game to ever operate. Um, especially one that's so accessible and 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 kind and oh, I don't I don't even know, but just that it, that invites you in every time. For me, this is a train game much more in the sense of building a station house that is unique as opposed to building a train yard or, or a, uh, uh, a, a interconnected train system that is unique. Uh, for me, this becomes a train game when I consider the character that I'm playing, the region that I'm playing, and the way that I've upgraded and added abilities and resources and uh, capitalized on my train station, right? My home base, the player board in front of me. But not so much that open world uh, route building nature on the main board. I, I feel like if you build strategically, you can get anywhere you'd like to get. And so who do I think this game might be wrong for? Well, if you're the type of player that you love understanding what everyone around the table is doing and being able to keep records of what everyone is planning for, this might not be the perfect game for you. The, the amount of information that every player is going to keep to themselves in terms of the tableau that they're building is just too much to keep track of, um, which creates situations where you're just mainly focused on the shared space, which is the board, and then your own tableau. It's going to be very difficult for you to understand what everybody's strategy is um, beyond just what's being presented to you directly on that table. And unfortunately, in Imperial... Like half of the game is on your board, not necessarily on the shared on the shared map. The other element that I would say is that if you're adverse to going through rule books to understand iconography and to see what things do, etc., 
Imperial might be one that frustrates you a little bit because there is a ton of iconography in this game. And it's not necessarily that it's not intuitive once you play it a bit. So, but let's just be clear here because you warned me about that before we played. And I'm going to call a touch of BS on you. There's a lot of iconography. Yes, tons of variable tiles, symbols, things that you have to engage with. And everyone is carefully and purposefully crafted in a way that is legible and a way that the rulebook helps you interpret. We did have to check the rulebook. We did have to read character card icons and understand how they work. And that was our first game. So keep that in mind. But at no point did I pause and think to myself, what does that icon say? And then check the rulebook and continue to think to myself, like so many other games do, what does that icon still say? <laughs> so, yeah, so for sure, I do think that the that the way that they approach the graphic design was really well made. But there is there for some people, it might be a little bit of icon iconography overload, because, again, I, I I'm, I'm not saying Imperial is introductory, but I really think that it could be the next step up for people that are looking for a midweight game that are coming from introductory and now into midweight that Imperial is actually kind of like perfect. Uh, so with all that. It's said with all that in mind, I think people kind of understand already where our positions are. But Jesse, did you enjoy it? And would you play this again? Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I I'm curious to see how it operates at higher player counts. I think the dynamic's going to change quite a bit. You and I very much had a puzzle building and personal board uh, game, which I think two player games tend to lean towards. Uh, I think at three or four players, we're going to see a lot more inner board conflict, a lot more resource stealing, a lot more uh, just direct player engagement. And I'm both excited and intimidated about that because it can be hard to keep an eye on what everyone else is doing around the table. And so when you're bumping up with more and more people, that balance sort of shifts a touch. Uh, but no, I absolutely enjoyed Imperio uh, or Imperial, whatever <laughs> it's it is. A, it's such a unique little name, isn't it? I I absolutely enjoyed it, and I am glad that I have a copy and you don't, because it's staying in the collection. It's one that I, I feel confident with, and I'm excited to get back to the table, for sure. I have enjoyed every time I played Imperial. Um, I was not sure if it was right for my collection in the past, just because of the things that we've talked about, but I definitely knew that the game was unique since the first time, and I'm a huge fan of level 99 games. Like, my favorite game, or probably my top three or top five, is going to be Millennium Blades. Um, and Imperial does not disappoint. Like, it's one of these games that I continue to just be so proud of this publisher, and the reason why I ke always continue pointing people towards them. I would 100% play this with you again, Jesse, with the new expansion. Uh, so I, I think it's so above, so below. Um, and with the added modules that every... all. That they were so Jan prone for. Ah, it's we're gonna play base game. We're not gonna mix in everything like you did the first time, which we was already your played base mistake. game again, Jan. Again, this latest failed attempt at bringing you quality entertainment was brought to you by the Quackalope Podcast. We love to hear from you, so don't forget to leave a review and subscribe. If you'd like to connect with us, follow us on any of our social channels or visit our website. But regardless of what you do, remember to do the important thing. Get out and play some games. Until next time. <laughs>